Welcome to Think Bible, the podcast that exists to challenge, edify, and encourage Christian women to think and live biblically, all for the glory of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome, friends, to the Think Bible podcast. I'm your host today, Stephanie Smith, and I'm really honored and excited to have our guest with us today, and it is Caitlin Day. Welcome, Caitlin. Hi there. Thank you. Um, so I've known Caitlin for a number of years, and she and I were just reminiscing a little bit Um we first met at one of our supporting churches down in Texas, and Caitlin and her family were attending there. Um, but after a few years, Caitlin's parents asked if we would be willing to have her travel with us as we did our mission um, work. So, Caitlin, I think you were 18 years old when you came to travel with us. Is that right? Yeah, I think I was actually 17. I had just graduated 17? homeschool high school. Okay. A little bit early. So I was 17 and a half. <laughs> and I tell you what, as a mom of five children in the midst of the throes of homeschool and training, <clears throat> excuse me, parenting parenting and training, I was so happy for some help. I got to tell you, <laughs> it enlightened my load and made our um, journey a little bit easier for those months that she was with us. She came and served with a joyful spirit and a happy heart and a teachable spirit. So um, she just wormed her way into our hearts, and we have loved her all of these years. And now Caitlin is um, a mother of five herself, and she and her husband have been married how long, Caitlin? 13 years. That blows me away. So I'm going to let her introduce her family a little bit and tell us about herself some. So go ahead, Caitlin. Sure. Uh, Well, thanks. I was thinking by way of introduction, I should also explain that if I refer to Stephanie as mom, there's a little story (laughs) behind that. When we traveled together, they decided I shouldn't call them Mike or Stephanie or Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It would just be easier to call them mom and dad because I was working with the children and that just made the references more simple. So I still refer to Stephanie as mom and everybody's (laughs) okay with it. So it's I kind of default to that. So I might try to call her Stephanie for clarification, but if I say mom, know that we actually related by blood in any way, but that is a bit of our relationship. All right. So yes, my name's Caitlin. I'm married to Nathan. Our last name is Day, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We have five children, uh, three girls and two boys, and the girls are 12, 10, and seven, and the boys are four and one. And Mm. I will just say I am in a very full season right now, just like Mm -hmm. Stephanie was saying with five children and homeschooling. She was as well. I sort of feel like here I am this many years later walking in a very similar season to that in which I was living with the Smith family and helping them. And um, I've just been reminding myself that it is a season and it is investment and it is giving of yourself a lot, but it is raising souls and training them and it is worth it. Uh, and it is a day-by-day, step-by-step, moment-by-moment, hour-by-hour journey right now. So Nathan and I have been missionaries in Ukraine, in western Ukraine, in the city of Lviv, for all of our married life. And Nathan has actually been there for 18 years. I have been there with him 12 out of those 18 years. And just this past year, which we'll talk about more in the podcast, we decided to come back to the States for a year-long chunk of time. Sometimes we call it a furlough. Sometimes we call it a break. Um, So we are currently located in Houston, Texas, and we are um, here for a time. And we are asking God for wisdom as far as what's next for our family. Some of you may know that there's a war going on in Ukraine right now, and it is affecting every city and every part in different ways. And so that is one of the reasons why we are not 100% sure if we will return to Ukraine or if God has a future for us somewhere else. So that's a little bit about us. I definitely am busy homeschooling the children by day. I like to cook and I like to study health and wellness. And um, yep, that's about it for now. 
Very good. I do remember when Caitlin first came to stay with us. I mean, it was all I could do to get through a day mm-hmm. <laughs> of parenting and teaching and cooking. And Caitlin had a lot of energy. <laughs> People say that I still do. (laughs) (laughs) We were living in a very city, um, urban area. And so there wasn't a lot of green space around us. And I remember her walking up and down the stairs in our house to get her exercise. (laughs) That's right. In the parking lot outside our living quarters. I would go round and round and round the parking lot. Yeah. It wasn't exactly safe for her to just take off and go far and wide. Um, so she had to be creative right there close to us. And she did That's a good right. job. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> um, okay. So there are two things that I want to talk to Caitlin about. And we'll see how long these go. We may end up putting these into two podcasts. But one, I want to talk about some parenting and just some philosophy of ministry. And then two, we want to talk about the idea of um, taking a break or stepping back from a ministry because of a burnout or just an exhaustion point of view. So I think we're going to start with the children first and the parenting. Um, I didn't intend for this to be a parenting podcast, but it is something I talk a lot about. And it's partly because I get a lot of questions about it and partly because that's what I've done for the last 26 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's rewind in time to when you were a teenager, Caitlin, and mm-hmm. your parents came to us and said, we would like our daughter to get some practical real life experience as a missionary. Um, where, tell us how that came about. Where did that come from? And what was the point or the reasoning behind it? Sure. Well, I go back a little further. I think when I was about 12 or 13, the church we were attending at the time, which is the one that was supporting the Smith family. That's how we got connected. Mm-hmm. One of the ladies in the church um, who loved theater, she taught some mm-hmm. of us young people to present the story of Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and the missionaries to okay. uh, the Indians in mm-hmm. Ecuador, right? <laughs> yes, and right. it was called The Bridge of Blood. And I played mm-hmm. the role of Nate Saint's wife. And I okay. remember it was a very simple play, but it was very profound. And mm-hmm. I remember we we presented it at our church, but we also traveled locally to at least one or two other churches and presented it there. But I remember for me, that was a moment in which God, you might say, really got a hold of my heart regarding foreign missions and it was a place that i came to just walking through that story alongside those missionaries of old and saying i want to be like them and i would like to make myself available to the lord if he wants to send me to another country to another people to another language and so that was a very poignant you know when you have your timeline of life there are sometimes milestones and i would say that was definitely a point on my timeline And I surrendered to the Lord and said, Lord, if you want to send me, I am willing. And it was kind of like this, pick me, pick me, because there's not very many people out there that are saying, pick me, and I'm one of them. So I think you should send me, Lord. (laughs) And kind of a funny, funny angle. But I remember that was a point 12 or 13 at which I said, I am willing to go. Our church was very missions minded. So anytime missionaries came through and presented their ministry, of course, I just kind of ate that up. (laughs) And so as I was graduating from high school, I loved children. I loved teaching children. I loved music. I loved serving people. I've always been, Mm. you know, just interested in being helping hands. And so my parents had this thought that we want our children to, we want to promote the gospel by helping other missionaries. I have one sister who's older than I am, Katrina. Both Katrina and I had interest in missions, in overseas foreign missions, in local missions, opportunities. And so my parents had the perspective, let's send them out for a time and then let's pull them back in. We want to check in with them, see how they're doing, seeing if this is working okay for them, if it's a fit, you know, check their hearts and then send them out again. Maybe we'll let them go a little farther, a little longer this time, bring them back, have a touch point. Uh, My parents wanted to make sure that the families that we engaged with on the mission fields that we um, 
experimented with, you might say, that they were uh, just people that of, of moral value that, that my parents wanted to try to get to know the families a little bit that we were going to be helping with. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they would have conversations with the missionaries like Mike and Stephanie, apart from me, to talk to them about various things or my mm-hmm. sister, she went to Peru, to Haiti, to Bolivia, to Ukraine. And so at each of those points, when she's like, hey, mom and dad, what do you think about this? Hey, mom and dad, I'd like to do this. They would kind of do some homework and some research and check into that opportunity and kind of see how they felt about it and then consider what that meant for my sister, or for myself. And then, like I said, send us out for a little while, bring us back and kind of do a check in. And Mm -hmm. I think that was very wise. And it was, I think, good for Katrina and I that we started off in small, bite-sized projects, trips and chunks, so that we could get a taste of real life without completely committing, you might say. And it was Mm -hmm. a good way to try something out with it being alongside another family. And Mm -hmm. I will say that... I'm not opposed to missions trips at all, but there's a lot involved. Thousands of dollars, passports, sometimes vaccinations. It's a lot of investment. And mm-hmm. sometimes it is an, a trip that it, it only like hits the high point of missionary mm-hmm. life. Whereas when you go and you live and you travel with a missionary family or you live and you do everyday life with them, I feel like that's a real taste of what it's really like. Not to say that missions trips are bad, but I don't feel like they always represent the whole picture. If someone is seriously interested in mission work or in ministry, I think that walking alongside the people that are doing it day in and day out has a lot of value. Yeah, good. Those are some really good thoughts. And so for our listeners, for my own heart, I just wanted to kind of recap some things that I heard in Caitlin's testimony just then. Mm -hmm. Uh, One was willingness just being available for the Lord to direct and use as he wants to. That's such an important thing to train into our children's heart. (laughs) Some will, will have that tendency more easily than others, but we all need to learn to be willing. Um, And I've just, I've just been sitting through a conference and one of the main points the speaker kept bringing out was that God commands us to live a life of love bottom line of love is selflessness. So serving others requires selflessness. That's something we have to train our children to be ready for. Um, And the second thing that um, I learned from Caitlin's parents as I was parenting my little ones and that we have used is this idea of sending our kids out and then bringing them right back so that you can reinforce you can check in with their hearts see what they've been learning what god's been doing um but you don't stop parenting you you parent through that opportunity and through that situation i guess Mm -hmm. um and so that's something i really appreciated from her her parents that taught us and had helped us in our journey of parenting too so Amen. Nathan and I were even talking that we kind of like that framework. And even for our children, we feel like we would probably want to do something similar Mm -hmm. in whether it's ministry or it's really anything. If they say, Mm -hmm. Mom, I want to, you know, be a, I want to learn how to cut hair. It's like, okay, well, let's practice. Let's apprentice. Let's dip Mm -hmm. our toe in. Let's do this for a little while before we jump in full force or commit or spend a whole lot of money or time. Let's try it and let's. Mm -hmm. Pick a small bite-sized project to engage in, see how that, you know, does settle for us and then see if that was like, oh, okay. Um, For example, my children, this is probably a good example. They love horses, little girls. I think every girl goes through a horse obsession, right? And so we're like, okay, well, we're not about to get a horse. That's not how we're going to try this thing out. But we recently went to a family camp and they got to spend their own money paying for a trail ride. That's a great start. They got to sit on a horse, all their imaginations and dreams. You know, they're finally on a horse going, (laughs) what, like one mile per hour or something. (laughs) Or they attended some free horsemanship classes at this camp. And so I said to them, hey, like, now that you've learned some things and done some things, what do you think about horses? Do you still want to pursue that? Or has that kind of scratched the itch that they have regarding horses? And so that wasn't necessarily sending them out, but they got to do something we were nearby for and let them 
practice and try an area that they think they yeah. do want to get involved in. Yeah, that's a good principle. Mm-hmm. And I know because I know the church that you were in and I know your parents and I know some of the things you did. You you were serving missionaries. You were serving in the church before all of this came about. Um, yes. And that's another important principle is that if we don't serve where we are, then why would we think we would serve anywhere else? So, right. you know, the world might say it bloom where you're planted, but <laughs> we want to encourage our children to serve in whatever situation or place God has put them. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they have that desire for international missions, but that might not be a feasible op- opportunity right away. And so mm-hmm. we have to learn to serve wherever God chooses to have us. So Exactly. Good. Well, what else? Do you have other thoughts behind all of that? Suggestions on preparing our children for that future ministry that God may have for them? Yeah, I do. I have a few things. And actually, uh, Stephanie sent me some questions and I jotted down my notes and a few things I ran by Nathan. I said, Nathan, do you have anything to add or would you like to expound on this? And he's very wise and he had some things. So this is us together. He jokingly said, I'm going to be on the podcast, too. You're just going to speak for me. <laughs> be the first man ever on the Think Bible podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we are a team and this represents both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, how? Just a question. How do you prepare your children for future ministry? Mm-hmm. The first thought that came to me was about Bible knowledge. And that might seem mm-hmm. really simple, but I have watched my husband at, from the time he could read his Bible. He has read through his Bible constantly. Like he reads through the Bible and then he starts over and he reads through the Bible. I don't mm-hmm. know how many times he's read through. He's 38 now. How many times he has read through the Bible. But he has an amazing hold on the Bible as a whole and handle on just what the scriptures say. He can't always quote the verse exactly, but he knows the thought behind it all. And that's been really uh, just, uh, what's the word, a blessing to me. It has impressed me. And so one of the things that we have done with our children is from the time they are toddlers, Nathan in the evening before they goes, they go to bed, he always reads to them from a Bible storybook. And it's usually some sort of illustrated Bible. And um, I know that that's not scripture and it's not the real deal, but it's where we start with our children. And they're always very engaged and they look forward to the time with daddy. And so we're kind of setting the stage of a happy time and winding mm-hmm. down before bed. That's helpful too. And I was just going to mention a couple of the Bible story books that we use are entitled The Action Bible. Mm-hmm. That one is a comic book Bible style. Then Good and Evil is actually a title we use in our ministry in Ukraine. And I'll talk a little bit more about that probably later. And then mm-hmm. another one is Read and Grow, like the letter N, Read and Grow mm-hmm. Picture Bible. That one is more realistic Bible um, illustrations. So Nathan mm-hmm. actually reads through a picture Bible with the children and then they rotate to the second Bible storybook once they finish the first one and then they rotate through the third one and then they start over and they just go round and round and round because some Bible storybooks include certain stories and some don't. Um, And then when the children are old enough to read on their own, they receive their own Bible from daddy and that's been a special thing for them. And then they learn to read on their own um, as part of their morning routine. We also read scripture at breakfast. Nathan reads to us while we eat and they actually listen to Bible when they fall asleep at bedtime. So Mm -hmm. that is, you don't have to do all those in your family. That's just what it looks like in our home. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting that even our seven-year-old daughter, she's not reading on her own fluently yet, but there is so much she will say to us like verbatim from the scripture, Mm -hmm. a phrase or a a high level vocabulary word from the King James that Mm -hmm. she recalls because she's listened to hours of Bible as she falls asleep. Mm -hmm. And so I just feel like Bible knowledge is a really great place to start because when we are giving the good news or we're teaching people the Bible, especially if you're doing it in a foreign country, there are so many other factors that are going on at the same time that if you don't have to learn the Bible while you're doing those other things, it makes the job a lot easier. (laughs) So if our children can almost be like professionals on the scripture by the time they leave our home, I'm not even meaning like doctrinally or theologically necessarily, but they just know and love the Bible. Then when they, like my older two girls who are 12 and 10, I could say to them, 
I want you to tell this group of children this Bible story. Well, they're not going to say to me, Mom, I don't know that story. They know Mm -hmm. these accounts in and out. What area Mm -hmm. they would have to grow in is the presentation side, being brave, standing up before people, using pictures, leading songs, whatever. But they don't lack for the scripture knowledge. So I feel like that's a really good foundation. Um, Mm -hmm. As I mentioned earlier, how do you learn to do anything? You just do it. You start somewhere. And so for us, I will tell you real life examples. That means currently every Thursday, our garbage men come and pick up our garbage. We started giving them snacks and water. It's sometimes a piece of fruit, sometimes trail mix. It's sometimes a homemade cookie. We give our garbage men a snack every Thursday and we give them something uh, from the Bible with their snack. So after a couple of weeks of establishing this I wanted them to look forward to coming to our house and we were waiting for them and the kids were out waving to them. We gave them their fruit or their drink. And then we gave them a, I think we gave them a tract to start with. Then the next time Mm -hmm. we gave them the snack and we gave them one of these comic book Bibles in Spanish because we're in Houston where there's a lot of Spanish spoken. And we had a couple of copies of Spanish comic book Bibles. And I put a note with it kind of explaining just a simple note about reading it with their families or finding hope, forgiveness of sin, a little ditty about that. So then to keep up the relationship every week, we now give them a snack. And then I'm having one of my daughters write out a Bible verse to give them that is pointing Mm -hmm. to the way, the truth, and the life. So that's a very unique version of evangelism, but it's one you can do with your children and you don't even have to leave your house. Just go on your driveway. If you live in a subdivision like we do right now in Ukraine, we always gave out Christmas and Easter baked goods to the vendors at the farmer's market who were our friends over the years and our neighbors. And we always put something relating to the gospel in with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Just rubbing shoulders with real ministry wherever you are. This past weekend, Nathan heard of an evangelism training opportunity about an hour and a half away. The idea was we train, then we're going to go to a university and we're going to talk to people and give out tracts and try to witness to people. Mm -hmm. So he said, I want to grow in this area. I want to get better. I want my children to see me doing this. So he took the older two girls with him and they went for the whole day and participated in the training that was put on by a family. And then they went out to the university and had some conversations and passed out tracts. Mm-hmm. Um, we have done in Colorado, actually, we have some friends that have a project in the summer for young people and it could be parents too. And we were walking through the neighborhoods, hanging door hangers instead of like door knocking, we were hanging door hangers on people's doors. And there was a QR code where they could scan to be enrolled in our free online Bible course which is also Mm -hmm. a tool we use in Ukraine. Um, Mm -hmm. Taking mission trips together is another idea. Helping a missionary or pastor that's right there in your area. Um, I know not all missionaries are overseas. There are a Mm -hmm. lot of missionaries that are stateside, finding out where they are, helping them. I feel like we all need someone to come alongside Uh, Let me back up a little. When I was a teenager, I had this acronym that was the word Ruth, R-U-T-H, and it stood for raising up their hands. And so when I went to be part of the Smith family for four months, my goal was to raise up their hands, Mm -hmm. uh, just like Aaron and her did for Moses, and to come alongside someone and who is growing weary. And Stephanie was weary at the time. She needed Mm -hmm. some She needed another set of hands. She needed somebody else with just life and spunk and to come alongside her and say, okay, while you're tending to your special needs child in the morning, I'm going to take care of these kids. What do you want me to do to help with homeschooling? Okay, I'll take the math for everybody and I'll teach math. We would travel for hours together in the car because the Smiths were still on deputation, but able to do their ministry simultaneously. So Mm -hmm. we were traveling to almost a different church every weekend. That was a lot Mm -hmm. of time we spent in the car listening to Patch the Pirate Club together. (laughs) And just, you know, it's hard to travel with a lot of little ones in the car. So just helping the children Think of games to play, be happy, sitting next to them in church, singing with their family, you know, getting everybody ready for Sunday morning and Sunday evening. So Stephanie needed someone to raise up her hands. I've gone to another family, helped them, whether it's stateside or overseas. Um, so I feel like finding a missionary or a pastor, it's not just the people in ministry, quote, ministry that need to be encouraged. 
there yeah. are just moms like me <laughs> that need to have yeah. our hands raised up. I think there are older people, like there's a lady on our street who says her adult children don't come and visit her. And I thought, we need to go and minister to her. We need to mm-hmm. go and maybe not raise up her hands, but be a listening ear. She's lonely. Be a friend to her. Um, mm-hmm. Just like I mentioned, practice doing real ministry in short spurts. Um, mm-hmm. And the concept of apprenticeship, if you think you want to pursue something, go and try it out and do it. And it's a good way to know if you really want to invest in something, continue, pursue something in the future just by mm-hmm. dipping your toe in it. Yeah. Um, Nathan did mention, and I might go back to his story later, Mom, if you want me to tell you how Nathan and I met each other, got to Ukraine. But part of Nathan's mm-hmm. story is it was super intimidating to him to pass out tracts or to witness or to share the gospel because he had never done it. Mm-hmm. And when he was a teenager, he was really nervous to do that. And so one of the ideas is if our children grow up around it, then it won't be weird or foreign to them. Mm-hmm. It will be natural. And that's one of our goals. Yeah, good. So what I'm hearing here is looking for needs and meeting them. Mm-hmm. You know, as we've been working through the details of Legacy Trade College, we've been just trying to to figure out and flesh out what it is we want to train our students to do and to be. And we had a board meeting this past weekend. All of our guys were together for the first time and it was a really neat. And we just were giving out all these ideas and we finally got to the end of it and we're like, life is ministry and that's how they need to view it. And as parents, that's how we need to view it. Um, you don't have to be overseas. You don't have to be supported by a church um, financially necessarily. You don't have to be in a preaching ministry in order to do ministry. It, right. it takes all forms. So thank you for sharing those ideas. That's exciting. And I hope that's given our listeners some things to chew on and things to consider and plans to make with their mm-hmm. children. That's yeah. Exciting. And I know some people are better at coming up with ideas than other people, but mm-hmm. I think just don't overcomplicate it. Start somewhere start tomorrow, (laughs) you know, keep it simple. If you have a lot of little ones, match, match your family's season with the flavor of ministry evangelism outreach that you can do in that given time. Yes. Excellent. I like it when Caitlin uses the word season. That's something (laughs) else that I've learned from her and her mom and um, the pastor's family that we were with there in, in Houston. Um, we talk about seasons, and it's a very important concept um, because you can't do all the things all the time. And that's not practical or realistic in any way. Right. Um, so um, one of the questions I had written was how you and your sister both approached the season of singleness that the Lord gave you. Um, so I want you to just talk a little bit about that. What sure. um principles were behind your choices and your thinking on that topic? Well, I have to be completely honest and say, I spent a lot of my singleness hoping to be married. (laughs) And I think there's a natural um, bit of us young people. That's what we're looking toward. That's what we're looking forward to. And it's okay. Um, But in the meanwhile, my sister and I, and I think our parents were pretty influential in this bit as well of Mm -hmm. And I feel like even more now that I'm on the other side of marriage and I am very busy with our home life, I see and I would like to tell all these single young people that it is a golden season. And (laughs) and not that marriage is bad and raising family is bad. I don't mean that at all. But what is golden about it is the freedom, the time freedom. You only have yourself to think about. You are not obligated. Nobody else's life depends on you in Mm -hmm. singleness. Once you get married and have a family, then you become a giver to mm-hmm. the your husband or his wife, to your children, and there is less space for um, doing the things that maybe you would like to pursue or meeting your own personal needs because you are in a giving season. And so I look back at that season of singleness and I think 
that Katrina and I were able to do a lot. And mm -hmm. I remember like I played my harp at a ladies Bible study my mom led in a retirement home. Katrina mm -hmm. obviously traveled a good bit. She also had a girls Bible club in our neighborhood. She, I remember she and a friend from another church, they led some girls conferences for encouraging mm -hmm. young women in their walk with the Lord, waiting on Mr. Wright um, <laughs> and what to do during your single years. And so I just want to say, please do not sit around twiddling your thumbs. Yeah. This is a season where you can experiment and try out a lot of different things and try out different um, opportunities or learn different skills. Um, mm. It is also a time when you can give, give, give. You can stay up late. You can get up early. There's nobody that, no babies that need you in the night, no children that you have to get up with at 7 a.m. You are mm -hmm. your own person, your own free person. And I think sometimes we don't realize the gift that we have at that season because we're always looking to the future and what we hope will come. But now mm -hmm. that I'm on the other side of that fence, I just want to say that it is, um, it is golden use it well, don't squander it, and look for ways that you can pursue some of your goals and dreams, even if they're short term. And then if you get married and have a family, some of those things may stop. Like I used to play the harp. Now I don't hardly anymore, maybe once a year. I just don't have the time and the space to practice 30 minutes or an hour every day. Or in Ukraine, we didn't own a car. So it was hard to transport the harp to any events and mm. things like that. So it's just much more complicated. Whereas when I think of singleness, I think of just free, like unattached, detached from the cares of the world that are mm. supposed to be the cares of the world once we get married. Mm. And um what is it in first Corinthians, how they may please the Lord. Whereas yeah. once we get married, it's how we may please our husband or our wife. Yeah. So that's a quick answer. That's good. I was talking with another friend recently um, about her son who got married this summer. And she said, you know, it was the neatest thing because he was perfectly happy and content single. He was just following and pursuing the Lord. But then one day he looked over next to him and there was this girl who was perfectly content and happy following the Lord and serving him independently. But then they looked at each other and it was like, Hey, we're going the same direction. We're doing the same things. Let's do it together. <laughs> and I just yeah. love that picture of how God chooses to bring people together to form families that will bring him glory and raise children for him. Um, would you I will like say to one, one other thing. I was just thinking about the financial side of life. I know um, money is not everything, but we do need money to live. And mm. I was just thinking, even if you can spend some of your single years earning money, if you pursue higher education and have any kind of debt, I would say pay that off as fast mm -hmm. as you can, because it only continues to be a burden. I don't speak from experience, but I speak from others, my friends' experience, that maybe they might be married, they might have children, they might have a house now, and they're still paying off student debt. And mm -hmm. so if you can get rid of that student debt or any kind of education debt or car debt, anything, mm -hmm. try to do that before you get married. And even if you can work toward earning money and saving money and having money in your bank or in investments, things like that as a young person, um, that is also a golden opportunity on the financial end of life to start sewing into your, your finances. And I'll just put a plug in for Nathan. Nathan actually loves number crunching, economics, finances. He's learned a lot over the years. He's self-taught. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of wisdom when it comes to finances. One of the things that he likes to talk to young people about is like real financial investing when you're young. And mm -hmm. that's because time is on your side. If you do certain mm -hmm. things when you are single, then the whole uh, kind of residual income idea or the compounding, I should say, of interest over the years will serve mm -hmm. you. And that's mm -hmm. maybe another discussion for another day. Um, but I was able, I didn't know any of that when I was single, mm. but I was able to earn money and I brought to the table several thousand dollars when Nathan and I got married. Mm. And I think he was really blessed by that. And not mm -hmm. that that's what he was looking for at all. I don't even know that he knew that until probably close to when we got married, how much I had in my savings account. But we yeah. have, I think that just blessed him that I was contributing to our future before we were even a thing or a couple. So I don't feel like working and earning money needs to be the goal of life, but it's not a bad thing to be doing while you're ministering because life does take money. Yeah, that's true. And finances are often 
a very contentious thing in marriage. And so and you a can go stressor. in. Yeah, with a big yeah. stress. If you can go in with solid financial skills, even just understanding of spending and saving and how that yes. that will save you a whole lot of trouble later on. Yes. Okay. I think that's all on that thought. Very good. Well, would you like to share with us a little bit about how God brought you and Nathan together as you were both pursuing the Lord wholeheartedly? Sure. It's actually quite a story. Um, <laughs> I'll have to like jump to the middle of the story and say when our Ukrainian friends ask us, so how did you meet or where did you meet? We always say right here in Lviv, Ukraine. And they're like, jaw drop, what do you mean? No way. And we're like, actually, yes way. And we'll tell you the story. So I'm going to go back to, you've heard a little bit of my story when I was a teenager and how I was interested in being sent by the Lord and used by the Lord. But Nathan's story is of a little bit of a different flavor. Um, he, he was kind of reminiscing with me today, so I could hopefully tell the story correctly. But he said that his family grew up reading lots of missionary biographies with his mom. Uh, he didn't have any grand plans or desires to be a missionary. But when he was 17, he heard about a what was called like a missions conference in Tennessee that was mm -hmm. happening with a group of, oh, what do you call it? people that had been on the field for a long time. I don't okay. want to use the word senior, but that's all that's popping that's into true. my head. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, people that had a lot of life experience. There and um, he said, I think I am kind of like briefly interested in attending this missions conference. I, I think maybe I'll go. Um, and so he attended. There were a lot of missionaries. I should say not a lot, maybe a handful of missionaries that came presented. I think they just shared life experience. They shared some ideas. And the funny thing was when Nathan needed to attend this conference, he had a homework packet that he had to complete before he attended. And it had things like passing out tracts and reading books and writing book reports. And he's like, he was so scared to pass out any tracts that he decided he wasn't going to go to the missions conference after all. And then he was just thinking about things and he said, God just impressed on him that people are dying and going to hell and they're not waiting for you to be ready. Cause he's like, I'm not ready to do this. I'll just like grow up a little more and then I'll pass out some tracks. But he yeah. said, God impressed on him. People are dying, going to hell and they're not waiting for you to be ready. And he said, okay, I'm just going to get out there and I'm going to do it. And I remember that he said he was too nervous to hand people a tract. So he would go. And if you're not familiar, a tract is generally a, a bifold pamphlet, sometimes trifold. It can be high gloss color. It can be black and white. And it's usually a booklet describing the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel. And yeah. so if you don't have time to have a conversation or you're nervous to have a conversation, tracts are a great way to give someone something they can read in their own time and pray that the Lord will use that seed to work in their hearts. Yeah. Uh, so Nathan and decided he was going to put all these tracks that he had to pass out under car windshields at Walmart. And so he walked through the parking lot <laughs> and he felt so accomplished because it was the first thing that he had done outside of his comfort zone. So he attends the missions conference. And that was, again, like a timeline dot on his story. Yeah. About a year and a half later, in the same magazine, there was a bit of an advertisement that was saying there was going to be this missions training school for nine months happening in Bangkok, Thailand. And Nathan knew that a lot of the missionaries that had shared at this missions conference were going to be there at the missions training school. And it was it was a, a school, but it was not incorporated like Legacy Trade College will be. It was very much mm -hmm. just a simple uh, event that was being organized and taking place. And he mm -hmm. felt like um, he, he first thought, well, if I'm not reaching people for Jesus right where I am here in the States, then that's not for me. And then he lost his job and he was working on a framing crew construction and he mm. lost his job and he felt like that was a nudge toward Thailand. So at 19 years old and he had money in his savings account. So he paid for the entire nine month, you know, school, the plane ticket, mm. all that came out of his um, pocket. His church at the time said, hey, when our young people go out, we want to get behind them. So they wanted to support him some, but that was not necessarily his is idea. It was just neat to see how God brought people yeah. and some family supporters alongside him financially. So he went to Thailand and there he met a guy named Joshua Steele. 
And Josh had been in Ukraine, where he, by God's leading, had gotten established there for a couple of years, learned the language. Then the people putting on the the, uh, missionary school, training school, had asked Joshua Steele to come from Ukraine and to teach, to lead, to mentor, to be active with the young men that were at this school. So Josh comes over to Thailand, and that Thailand project actually ended early, about seven months in. They said, we're done, and that's okay. But Josh said to Nathan, hey, I'm going back to Ukraine. Would you like to come with me? And yeah. Nathan's like, um, I guess so. And so Nathan <laughs> flew to Ukraine from Thailand with Josh Steele, and he was just kind of taking things one step at a time. And that's what I love sometimes about life mm. and about following God is that as much as we want to see the whole picture and we want to see the future, and I want to see the future today about what's going to happen for our family next, a lot of the times we are just needing to take that next step or mm-hmm. to take what we think should be the next step. And we're looking for closed and open doors through yep. prayer, through just trying things. So Nathan gets to Ukraine and through a funny series of circumstances, Josh ended up going back to the States for a little while. And Nathan's like, okay, he's now living with Ukrainians. He's like, he's just shy of 20 years old at this point. He said, I don't know if I'm going to be in Ukraine long term or if this is the, the beginning of my future. But if it is, I need to learn the language. And yeah. to give you a, a timeline, Ukraine became its own country in 1991. So they broke okay. away from the Soviet Union. Nathan went in 2004. <clears throat> Excuse me. So if I do my math right, that's about 13 years. Mm-hmm. Things were a little rough in Ukraine still at that mm-hmm. time. Like you did not wear a leather coat out on the street because people would take it off your back. And it was not the Wild West of some of the early missionaries that were there in the 90s, but it was still coming out of the hard times that Ukraine as a nation had been through. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Nathan decides he's going to learn the language. He's living with Ukrainians. He's spending every time, every moment with the youth group at church, being around the language, being around the people. Um, He eventually... After about two years, he's fluent in Ukrainian. He was just immersing himself in the language. He um, did decide to go back to the States for Christmas, I think, one year or return home for a visit. But then he decided to go back to Ukraine. And um, he and Josh, Josh did come back from the States. He was just there for a visit. They have worked side by side ever since. And they Mm -hmm. are a dynamic duo. And Mm -hmm. they are so different but they are so good for each other because where one is weak, the other is strong and vice versa. And so they have been a team for all these years. There have been a few other missionary couples, both American missionary families, both American and Ukrainian that have joined our team at various time at various Mm -hmm. points. And just like you are doing with legacy trade college, um, Josh and Nathan and the missionaries at the time decided that they were going to create an official organization. It was going to be incorporated, and that is called Euro Team Outreach. And Mm -hmm. so we are actually sent out of our home church in Colorado, um, but we are with the little self-created organization, Euro Team Outreach. And I'm just going to throw the website out there. It's euroteamoutreach.org if anyone wants to look that up. We have a couple of Uh, spokes on our wheel, you might say, of ministry projects that we do. And I can maybe talk about those later. But uh, if you want to find out about us as a team, that's your website. Okay, Mm -hmm. so Nathan is now established in ministry in Ukraine. He's working alongside Josh, and he's he's learned the language so he can move forward with whatever ministry style and strategy they're going to do, which they tried many different things over the years. And maybe I'll circle back around to what we do as a ministry and as a team later. But I'll go on with the story. So Josh ended up marrying this girl named Kelsey. That's a whole nother story for another day. Katrina, my sister, had become friends with Kelsey somewhere along the line. I honestly don't remember, but I think it was Kelsey's family visited our church, the same church where we met the Smiths, one time. I believe her dad was with Phillips, so they traveled all over the U.S. and Canada, living in different places. But they happened to visit our church, and I think Katrina and Kelsey really hit it off that day, and they we ended up seeing Kelsey's family. So we're connected with Kelsey. And then Kelsey marries this guy named Josh, and he's a missionary in Ukraine. 
So Kelsey goes to Ukraine with Josh. And then my mom ends up being asked if she will be the secretary for Euro Team Outreach because it's an incorporated, you know, nonprofit. So we need a board of directors. We need a secretary mm -hmm. who's stateside. And my mom mm -hmm. says, yes, she will be um, the secretary. So my mom is working online with Josh and Nathan and the other people on the team at the time as the secretary, writing the board meeting minutes and all that, receiving the mail stateside. Mm -hmm. So she actually knew Nathan probably a little better than I did. And then my sister Katrina went a couple of times to Ukraine to help Josh and Kelsey when they had a baby or during a busy season of ministry. And Katrina and Nathan actually checked each other out when they were in Ukraine at the same time. But they decided that there was a lot of good about each other, but they weren't for each other. Mm -hmm. And I remember her coming back one time from Ukraine and she's like, Kaylin, Nathan's a really great guy. He's not for me but maybe he'll be for you. And so, of course, we were laughing about that. Like, well, maybe, who knows? So after I helped the Smiths when I was 17, I did a lot of work in ministry as a teenager. Then when I was 20, I decided to propose to Josh and Kelsey that I come over and help them during, again, another busy season. There was summer ministry, which I can talk about more. It is a busy season for our team. They were moving mm -hmm. to a different apartment. They had two little children at the time. And Katrina and Kelsey were really good friends. I was kind of like the little sister. But yeah. Kelsey and I had some interaction with each other. And I had heard good things. It was a family like my, my mom was remembering. She and my dad talked to Josh and Kelsey before Katrina came over for her mm -hmm. two trips. Just wanted to know more about them as a family. What's the safety of Ukraine? What's the safety for our daughter? What's the safety of traveling and flying internationally by herself to Ukraine? Kind of all of those things. So eventually, I or I did talk with Josh and Kelsey. They said, yeah, this would be a good summer. We could use the help. So I went over there for six weeks. And of course, because of the nature of the team member team interactions. I was around Nathan a good bit. I was checking him out. He was checking me out. We were trying to not be obvious about that. And long story shorter, basically, we decided we did like what we saw in each other. We started a long distance relationship. And we joke with young people now that say, oh, long distance relationships are so hard. And we're like, try doing it from across the ocean. And we had Skype video at that point. So we were sending emails and we were Skype video chatting once a week. And we thought we were living high on the hog. <laughs> and uh, so we, we did have a long distance relationship. We were like, hey, we are in this for the purpose of marriage. So we want to figure out if we are, if we want to go forward with this. We're not here to play around or to just, you know, take our time. We were pretty intentional about everything. So we logged a lot of phone hours together. We spent some time. Nathan was in the States for a visit. He, he ended up um, actually, before we started our relationship, he was in the States and my pastor invited him to speak at our church's missions conference. And that was good to see him again on my home turf. Then when we decided, let's go ahead and jump into something more than a friendship here. We want to be intentional about seeing if, you know, a future together and marriage is mm -hmm. a possibility. Um, we, we talked a lot about all the hard things and we just got it mm -hmm. out there and said, what are we going to do about this? <laughs> do we want to move forward together? Or are we going to stop here? Cause we don't want to get any more entangled, you know, with each other than, than we need to. Um, and so we did get married. Uh, I spent a lot of time with his family during that duration. He was in the States a good bit and I went to Colorado where his parents are. And we actually spent time, Nathan had bought a rental house as an investment property in the Colorado Springs area. And once we were engaged, I was there with him and we actually fixed up the house together. And it was a real fixer upper. And we mm -hmm. actually joke that it was a really, really great project for us because it was real life. And we mm -hmm. were having our dates at Home Depot, which was mm -hmm. a little boring. We were reading mm -hmm. books in the car as we were driving from his parents' house where I was, you know, boarding and he was sleeping in the basement. And I was in one of the girls' rooms upstairs and um, reading books in the car, going to Home Depot, making decisions, you know, working hard together, painting walls, gel staining doors, putting countertops in, you know, all the real things that you do when you're married. And uh, we thought it was a great, uh, a great season for us to get to know each other and watch each other work and be tired. And um, yeah, so 
-hmm. we got married and then I joined Nathan six weeks after our, our wedding. We went back to Ukraine together. I started learning the language. Um, I joke that here I am a native Texan. I've never really seen snow in my hometown. We go to Ukraine and I, I arrive in January and it was the biggest and coldest snow, biggest snow and coldest year that the Ukrainians had seen for a long, long time. And so we joke that it was quite the uh, initiation. Yeah. Um, so all of our children except one have been born in Ukraine and that's been an adventure. We've made a life and a home for ourselves and a family in Ukraine. We have come back to the States for periodic trips about every two or three years, often when a sibling gets married. Um, we usually live with our parents between Houston and Colorado. We split our time. And um, then we've always returned to Ukraine and, and kept going. So my primary role has been being a wife and being a mom. And that takes up, like I said, the bulk of my day. Uh, Nathan is more the, quote, missionary, but we also are a team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I've just been encouraged by our conversation. Um, I hope our listeners have been. If you if you haven't picked up some nuggets, you need to listen again because there's lots of them <laughs> about being intentional in our um, choices and the philosophy behind our parenting, behind our relationships with others, um, even looking for ways to give the gospel and help um, not only kingdom, but train our children to do the same. So you have been a blessing, Caitlin. <laughs> thank um, you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this special time today where we've just um, heard from Caitlin and her heart. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you have done and are doing in her life and in her family. We thank you for the wisdom that you have given to her and Nathan, um, to her parents, to others who have poured into their lives and that they can now share with us. So I pray that you would work in our hearts as we consider these things, as we look for opportunities in our own lives and in our children's lives to take the opportunities that you give us to share the God, to look to grow in our walk with you to be more Christ-like every day. We pray that you would take these moments and these words and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to the Think Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Please visit us at our website, www thinkbible.online to learn more about our ministry or to take advantage of the resources we have there for you. That's www.thinkbible.online. You can also find us at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the name Think Bible. Until next time, let's all think and live biblically for the glory of God.